I'm gonna take one, baby. What's going on, everyone? This is Artez with our another installment of Take One podcast, and uh, it's 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 a dynamic duo today. Yeah, yeah. It's just me, Sir G, and my boy Artez on the mic today, guys. So we're gonna hold it down. Uh, we're missing our uh, our usual engineer, uh, Adriana, <laughs> who's also celebrating a birthday today. As we recording, so happy birthday, sis! Cinco de Mayo, turn up. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so hope you guys been enjoying these uh, episodes. Um, while you r- wash the dishes, uh, cut the grass, change the baby, make dinner, whatever you're doing, but we're actually starting just a, a new brief series uh, the next few weeks, just tackling uh, a diverse range of topics and essentially. Topics that's, that's been lingering a little bit, um, and we want to challenge the status quo and also want this to be uh, an equipping time uh, for those of you who are listening as well. So this morning, this uh, episode, we'll be asking the question, can the Bible be trusted? Uh, is it still relevant today? Uh, this is May 5th, 2022, and I know uh, folks in our culture uh, typically still have some skepticism um, about the Bible, and even sometimes Christians too. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's some difficult things in the Bible uh, that's hard to wrap our mind around. But we got a few things we want to just uh, talk about and discuss about how the Bible can actually be trusted. So first question, um, which I hear a lot. I'm pretty sure you heard this too as well, Sergi. Uh, some may di- doubt the authenticity of the Bible because they said, uh, you know, flawed men wrote it. So how can I trust this book if uh, flawed men uh, like you and me uh, wrote the Bible? So how would you help them see that the Bible can still be trusted despite the fact that, yes, flawed men did write the Bible? Yeah, I mean, that's a very relevant and I think thoughtful statement, but when we think about the Bible being God's word, like that's uh like like that's the foundation that we have to begin with. Hmm. Like you know like you know what I'm saying? Like our our very faith is is just that faith. Uh even scriptures say we believe in a God that we haven't seen. So like even this whole Man, Christian walk is is something by faith, but I think that God's word can be like deeper than just faith. And so, my scripture itself speaks to the fact that yes, flawed men wrote it, but but it was actually that they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. God's spirit empowered them to write exactly. Thus says the Lord. You know and but the next question or the next kind of pushback might instantly come to don't use scripture to prove scripture. Hmm. Like real talk, I was in a barbershop one day and this dude just started going off. The Bible is not real. <laughs> you And I'm getting my hair cut. I was a young Christian. I ain't really uh, know too many scriptures, but yeah. I knew like, th- like those three t- um, key scriptures. And my heart started beating fast. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I got to say something. I got to stand up You're for right, my right. faith. I mean, but like he had the command of the room. Hmm. And I was like, man, Hebrews 11 says, he was like, 
don't prove the Bible is the Bible using the Bible. Yeah. And I was like, well, Hebrews 12 say, he was like, stop using scripture. And like, he, he had me stuck. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? At that point. And so kind of going back to, to your question, how can I trust the Bible if it was written by flawed men? I think, man, we really have to look at the resources that um, actually speak to the 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 unrealness of the Bible and look at just different people like, um, I know I'm kind of talking a lot, but like, like just looking at people like um, Josephus, who mm-hmm. was a who was a secular historian that his writings actually kind of um, validate the teaching of scripture, even looking at just the fact that all of these men from from a hundred hundreds of years span, they all wrote thus as the Lord and it doesn't contradict each other. Yeah. Like like just even that um that you have about forty different authors that they don't even contradict each other. So I just even just looking at just the facts of the Bible, hmm. I think speak to the to the trustworthiness of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nah, that's man. I, I mean, I think about too, you know, the whole idea of flawed men wrote the Bible. So how can we trust it? But I mean, we trust a lot of different documents. We stake our lives on a lot of different things that man wrote yeah. or man created, um, and we don't necessarily push back on those things. But it's less about the man, but it's more about the person who inspired the man, mm-hmm. and that's that's the Lord Himself. Yeah. And as you said. Uh, and First Peter talks about, you know, how the Holy Spirit carried these men. Like it wasn't just they were just freely expressing their own thoughts, but they was expressing thoughts that God was giving them. And so, uh, yes, the Bible can be trusted despite uh, flawed men, but it wasn't a flawed God. Yeah. He's actually, he's perfect. He's holy. So um, what about the whole question about the different translations? Like, man, I mean... <laughs> I feel like it's a different translation every week uh, of the Bible. Um, you know, the old saints, the older season saints probably still King got that James. King James, <laughs> you know. Um, but today, I mean, you know, thank God there is, you know, various resources that we have, uh, additional resources that we have. So it's a Bible and, you know, you could just Google a Bible, but yeah. it's so many translations. So what do you say to somebody? Say, man, how can you interpret, you know, and and update the Bible so many times, surely it, it lost some of its, yeah. its punch, some of the, you know, the truth. What, what do you say to somebody like that? I mean, I mean, like, that's kind of like the misconception, I think, of how the translations come about. Uh, I know you probably seen like that, um, like the kids game where one person mm-hmm. says a sentence to the next person. Right. And then they go all the way around the room and get to the last person and it's like a totally different <laughs> sentence. That's how a lot of people think the translation come about yeah. like King James started off and then the ESV mm-hmm. kind of built upon the King James and the NIV and it's like no actually man humankind mankind we have found the original manuscripts or what they called of the original um, writings of mm-hmm. the book of Matthew of the gospel of Luke of the gospel of John and like there are hundreds of these my copies of the original manuscript and the ESV people um, translated from the original languages into 
the way um, almost into the way that they think it's it's saying but also in a way that's easily read by us yeah. today yeah so different translations come trying to stay truthful to the mm. text to the original text but also trying to say it in the way where we can speak and understand it um, clearly um, today so that's what I think is like a big misconception of how we got the different translations yeah and this may lead into our next question a little bit like even the translations that you said over you know hundreds of thousands of years even um, there may be some some uh some variations mm-hmm. and you know a, a phrase or a sentence, but that is very small um, in comparison of what has been uh, preserved. Yeah. If that makes sense, the overarching theme, the overarching uh, translation is, is still uh, the same. If it's a it's a faithful uh, translation, some translations. I mean, you know, there are some things that's been changed. Uh, you know. We can get into the gender stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's not use, you know, the the male pronoun mm-hmm. um, or masculine pronoun for for God. Uh, I think that's a slippery slope, but that's mm-hmm. a whole nother conversation. But for the most part, as you said, yeah, I mean, we living in a time we speak. I mean, at least in America, mm-hmm. we speak, you know, uh, English and other places in the world. And so the translations to speak our language. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm grateful that our brothers in China, you know, brothers in Africa, brothers and sisters in Africa, like. Hopefully they have, you know, a Bible that's in their native tongue. And there's other people who don't have a Bible in their native tongue. And uh, that's why we need missionaries. But for the most part, yeah, there are a lot of translations, but a good Bible translation um, stays faithful to the original meaning. Yeah. So even with that, I mean, a lot of translations, you even mentioned this, uh, you alluded to this early G, uh, a lot of different authors uh, that were involved uh, in the Bible, at least 40, um, over 1,600 years, uh, various continents, you know, so there were a lot of hands involved. So when people say, well, you know, you look at different accounts uh, in the Bible, let's take the Gospels. Okay. And it's sometimes it's like, well, the Gospel of John said this, but Matthew says this, and it sounds like yeah. they contradicting themselves. Yeah. You know, did somebody add something? Did somebody, you know what I'm saying? So how would you... Who wrong? Who wrong? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, when you say, oh, they, they contradicting themselves, uh, or you could take whichever one you want to work with. You know, Paul says, uh, it's not by works that you are saved. Mm-hmm. James said, you know, let me see your works, yeah. and I'll tell you that you are saved. So it seems you know, like these different contradictions um, mm-hmm. all over. So how would you speak to that? I mean, so to take one at a time, like we could do a whole podcast series on people takes on how the Bible contradicts itself and kind of answer it. But I, mean, I remember being a freshman in college, and I had a Muslim friend, and he was like, man, the Bible... Um, contradicts itself. Mm. I was like, show me. And in the crucifixion scene, when Jesus was getting beat, um, I think Matthew said something like, they took a crimson robe and put it on him. And I think Mark said, they took a purple robe and put it on him. And they was like, see? (laughs) See? It's two different colors. And I was like, oh, shoot, they got me. Right. (laughs) But, but like even now realizing that 
that I'm able to say, and I actually think this is beautiful, that the gospel writers are empowered by the Holy Spirit to write, thus says the Lord, but they still don't lose mm. who them, they still don't lose themselves yeah. even in writing. Mm. And so for example, Mark, the gospel of Mark, most, most scholars say wrote the first gospel. Mm. Mark wasn't a disciple, mm. but Mark was Peter's right-hand man. Yeah. So in my mind, the gospel of Mark is really the gospel of Peter mm. because Peter is, Mark is writing what Peter, you know, yeah. shared with him. And even when you look at the details of, of how Mark writes, every scene that Mark's write that we see in, in Matthew and Luke, Mark gives us more fisherman details. Mm. Like for the scene when they were stuck in a storm, like Mark gives us the details of the boat. Gotcha. You, you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Matthew don't really focus on the boat. Mm. They tell the same story, yep. but they tell it from like their perspective still. Mm. So even even if me and you walking down the street and we see a car wreck, me and you, Artez, we see the exact same car wreck. When somebody asks for our report, we're going to share the same story, but from our but from our perspective, we may you know give different details. We might tell the story from a different angle. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm wrong or you're wrong, but I love the fact that we have so many witnesses that can kind of like give us a fuller picture of what's going on. So kind of like to answer like your question, like. Does the Bible contradict itself? I would say we really have to look at the grand scheme yep. of the Bible or even the book. And a lot of times we take one like one verse mm. and focus on this one verse. And that's dangerous in any type of reading. Yeah. Like if my wife wrote me a love letter and I and I focused on one sentence mm. and not the grand scheme of yeah. her whole letter. Like, I could take one sentence out of context. And I think that's that happens a lot of times. We read one verse mm. without reading the full um, thought or motive of, of what the writer is trying to, to communicate to us. Yeah. And we bring a lot of, I would say, baggage, you know, to the Bible, like different lived experiences and you know, different probably educational backgrounds, socioeconomic, you know. And so sometimes what we read, we don't necessarily, it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't sit well with us. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we want more. Like God, he doesn't give everything, yeah. right? He don't always, you know, necessarily let us behind the curtain, so to speak. Um, but we, it, it really goes back to trusting the author, trusting the living word, who is God himself, uh, Jesus and so I think about Psalms 119, 140, it says, your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. And so this idea of contradiction, why would, a, you know, yeah. if God is loving and he have a message and this is his revelation, why would he make it muddy for yeah. us to, to read and to, to grow and, and learn about who he is? So I believe he would make it as clear as possible, yeah. but that doesn't mean always we agree with every, like necessarily agree with everything, or we we have the full picture. Yeah. Um, so, and man, like to if I could just say a word to someone who 
who may be questioning the Bible or even their faith or say, like, is the Bible clear? I really want to encourage you to commit to reading the Bible mm-hmm. and praying, asking God whether you believe in God or not. Pray and ask God to give you clarity. It's good. Because I remember, like, during that same season as a freshman in college where I was just really trying to, like, find God in a sense. I just told myself, hey, I don't know how to find God, but I'm just going to commit to reading yeah. a small portion of Scripture every day and praying, asking God to show me the way. Mm. And I promise you God showed up and, and began to make it clear through through just me and him and his word, but yeah. also through sending people in my life to make it clear for me. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know good, man. Right, let me ask you a question, Tess. Like, <clears throat> like, even, like, we cannot deny the fact that people have misused scripture. Mm-hmm. And um, when we look at real history, we see so many churches mm-hmm. abuse people, um, um, kill non-Christians, um, enslaved non-Christians using the very word that we are I'm defending right now. Yeah. So how like how would you counsel someone who, who struggled to trust God's word because of its abuse? Yeah. First I would I would definitely affirm their feelings, uh, because it just seemed like it's just this fundamental uh sympathy and compassion, you know, for humanity to see well that that doesn't seem right, you know, and there is something about how God has has given us a, a moral compass, um, you know, consciously to to say or to look at something and say, you know, that that's wrong, you know, that's that's unjust, yeah. um, that's inhumane, and you know, we in Memphis, and actually, you know, at this very time, we're in downtown Memphis on Main Street, just what two hundred feet two hundred feet from the Civil Rights Museum. And, you know, even leading up to the civil rights, we know that even slavery with its origins and just the ugly history that has, you know, tainted our world. Every like every sphere in in our in our country and our society has been tainted by racism. Mm -hmm. Right. And like you said, there were uh, professing Christians uh, slaveholders, in the sense, who abused, uh, who uh, sexually abused, physically abused, you know, verbally abused, killed um, uh, slaves, viewed them as property, and to their defense, they would say, "Well, the Bible condones this, mm-hmm. right?" You know, even we we hear about just the the the, the master's Bible in which. That took away certain pages um, of truths as a fear, uh, a way that, that they were expressing their fear that the slaves may read it and feel empowered, yeah. you know, of who they are and and God's uh, God's purpose for their lives. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I I will affirm to that person that 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 isn't right, um, but I will also say that the God of the Bible is a God of, of justice, is a God of compassion, is a God of love, is a God of, of, of reconciliation mm-hmm. and, and redemption, even though, you know, man 
attempts to abuse and defame his character, but his character can't be uh, defamed because who he is. And so I would just tell them, don't allow, you know, this person's selfishness, arrogance, and pride who abused something that was good to to prevent them from actually seeing a gracious and a loving God. Yeah. Um, and I know that's easier said than done, um, but if we stripped away uh, these men and women uh, who have abused and still are um, for selfish gain, um, there is a God who doesn't condone that, um, but he's, he's still at work, powerfully at work, and he even wants to redeem and, 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 and restore and heal some of those wounds yeah. that was probably experienced and it resulted from somebody else's abuse of something that was meant to be good. Yeah. And man, just to even add add to what you said, it's like we also have to learn to read the Bible and 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 see what the Bible is instructing us to do. Hmm. And also read it in just what the Bible is showing what man has done. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So it's like man is stories in there of, of rape, murder. Um God isn't saying he's okay with a man raping a woman and cutting up her body and seeing it like like that's a story. Yeah, for sure. But that's in scripture for us to see the the hearts of men, you, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like yeah. not for us to say, "Oh, this is okay." Mm-hmm. The Bible says this is okay. Women mm-hmm. shut up and be quiet and just get in lines. Like no, this story is for us to learn from their mistakes, but also see what's in our hearts currently. And we also need to be able to say, "Okay, now this is what God is saying is His law, is His way." So yeah, my yeah man, I'm just a good take. So like, what would you say? Like it's 2022. And I know, like, I I have literally heard even several Christians that I, that I respect, who I know love Jesus, kind of begin to say comments or make comments kind of along the lines of, it's 2022, that was written 2,000 years ago. Right. Um, um, just do what makes you happy. Hmm. Like, this was written for a particular time, for a particular people, um, this issue um, isn't isn't current today. So, like, what would you say to that? Like, does does God's word kind of lose loses its authority over time, or does it just speak to a specific people, and we can kind of pick and choose um, as individuals what we can take as like, no, this is God's word. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean. If I look at, if I just look at the history of humanity, right, it seems as if there's been a theme of man or woman <laughs> wants to do what's right in their own eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, follow your heart. What's, what's, what's true for you is true for you. What feels good for you feels good for you. And I just, I've, I've seen how that doesn't always end well. Um, even that that standard, that ideology, if you will, it crumbles from within. 
Um, I mean, we look at even the Bible, just there's very specific narratives and accounts of seeing how man wanted to do what was right in their own eyes and it never ended well. It was always destruction. Um, but there's also this, this thread, this consistent thread of God calling his people back to trust him, to trust his way, uh, to trust the life that he's trying to give them um, and, and to save them from their brokenness. And even, you know, I, I was mentioned to this early, like we all have this moral compass within, inside of us, but that compass is still, is broken because mm. of the fall, you know, that's recorded in Genesis 3. So in Christ, through his, his work, his death and burial and resurrection, um, by faith, in him, he, re, he redeems that, that moral compass. And that moral compass is us realigning our lives with the God of the universe who has all wisdom and all power, and, but he still speaks. That's the cool thing about it. Um, he is one thing that we can see him in creation, but it's a whole other thing that he actually give us his word so that we can know his heart, know his will, know his ways. Um, and so for me, I want to anchor my life on that um, opposed to doing what's right in Ortez's eye because even on a micro level, I see that that doesn't always end well. So that's one word I would say, yes, the Bible still has relevancy um, because of the one it's, it's pointing to, the one who's speaking, uh, who's sustaining life. Uh, he's, he's eternal. So wrapping up, I mean, obviously this could be hour long, two hour long, uh, you know, podcast, but I, I love what you said earlier, G, about, you know, you encouraging those who may be struggling with just interpreting the Bible and applying it to their lives, but you say you committed a time of prayer. Um, God, give me wisdom, give me insight, help my understanding. So what are some other ways you, you, you can encourage those who are listening um, who wanted to grow in their biblical literacy and just a constant, ever-growing appetite for God's Word. What's the things you'll give them? Man, I think it's a lot of resources, like a lot of sound and good resources um, out there on the web. Um, and the Jew 3 Project is one uh, resource I think about. They're doing a great job of just, man, just doing like the apologetic work of mm -hmm. Scripture. Yeah. Like, like why we can believe the Bible, why it's still relevant today. Um, so just... Um, and not just, and I think, man, what you said, like it's it's so easy to to I want this in my life. I have this natural um, this natural desire, mm -hmm. and I can hear one person say, "Hey, it's okay. God made you like that. Mm -hmm. You know, go for it. Um, you know, follow your heart." And I can even sometimes use scripture, mm -hmm. or 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 even. Erase certain parts of scripture right. that affirms what what I want. Yeah, and I think when we when Jesus says pick up your cross and follow me, I think like a part of that is die to yourself. Yeah, um, like 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 die to the part of your life that that wants to pull you away from mm. it. Like and, and man, you preaching this Sunday um, on on the text John six when Jesus. Even said to to thousands of people at a time who was following him, Jesus turned around and was like, "Hey, hey, hey! It's too many of y'all following me yeah. in a sense. Like, like y'all really not like my true followers. 
because y'all aren't willing to to um he said what eat my flesh and yeah. drink my blood yeah and so man man you really have to weigh the cost of am I really um down to follow this Christ so yeah yeah that's that's good man and like you said uh Jew 3 project is a great resource um you know I would even say hopefully uh you know finding just a, a Bible preaching church um, yeah. that's faithful to the text every single Sunday, um, but also um, finding another brother or sister who may be one step ahead of you who can, you know, literally sit down. Maybe it's doing your lunch break for 10 to 15 minutes that could just open up the Bible, take a, take a text, and ask a few questions, you know, what do I think this, what, is, what do I think is going on? What's some observations that I can make? Uh, how might I interpret this? How I think, you know, what the, the number one main thought God is trying to communicate through this particular text. And then the last question you can ask yourself is, uh, what does God want me to do? How can I apply that to my life today? And so I believe uh, opening God's word and uh, along with another brother and sister and just simply allowing the word to to feed you. And um that's another thing I'll say. Uh, ESV Study Bible is a good resource. You know, they got a lot of different, uh, the background, the context, you know, um, cross-references. Like, you read one verse, and then there's another verse that's connected to that, to somewhere else in the Bible. So, you, you get the greater context, the greater theme. Um, something that's said in the New Testament could be connected to the Old Testament. So, uh, that's helpful, too. And there's something about having a physical Bible. Uh, as well. I mean, I know we live in a digital age, which is good, but something about having a physical Bible as well. So those are a few things I say that can help someone uh, potentially take the next step. Man, that was a lot. It was good. I know we were just scratching the surface, but uh, I really hope that was helpful for you guys. And uh, today, uh, this week, that you will pick up God's word and maybe there's just five minutes. Um, Starting start in the book of John. Um the first couple verses and just see what God is going to do um, in you and, and through you with this word. Thank you guys for tuning in for another episode of Take One Podcast. We will see you next time. See you.